Thanks for joining us for our ninth episode of Nourishing Lives. Season one has been jam-packed full of brilliant guests, and we're looking forward to bringing you even more amazing, inspiring, and informative episodes over the coming months. This month, we've been celebrating Organic September, and as a brand who are rooted in the philosophy of an organic, natural way of eating, now is a great time to focus on why we choose to be organic certified. There's no one better to talk about this than our founder, Inika. Organic food and farming is her passion. Hi, Inika. Hello, Kate. <laughs> we're actually, we're recording this in different places today. So Inika is, uh, is at home and I'm in kitchen. So if you hear any noise in the background, it's probably our uh, brilliant production team going backwards and forwards. And so when you started out, obviously organic certification is not necessarily a simple thing to do. Was it daunting to become organic certified? It, it definitely was. Um, it, it was a path that we kind of had to choose to take because some of our main ingredients, we only wanted to source organic because of the extra additives they put if you get a non-organic version. Um, but there was definitely a lot of paperwork um, a lot of hoops to jump through. Um, so, yeah, it was daunting. I think there was a lot of snack companies that were out there that weren't organic. So there wasn't, you know, there weren't as many people that you could chat to to see what the process was like. Um, yeah. But it was something that we were passionate about because we didn't want to compromise the, you know, the nutrients and everything that we get in, in our ingredients. So for us, it was um, something we had to do and we have learned so much um, through the process. I guess it's one of those things that people who aren't involved in the food industry maybe don't know that we have to be recertified every single year as well. In fact, we've just recently done it, so there's no uh, there's no getting around it, and there's no there's no cheating possible. No, not at all. There really isn't. And you know that whether it's not just you they audit. You know they go ex extensively through all of your suppliers, the way that you store the products, how that's then marketed. Um, so you know the process like you said, gets, you get audited once a year, but it's a continual process even throughout the year because then all the people that you supply that um, want to see your organic certificate. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that you sort of carry with you every day. <laughs> well, organic ingredients can, obviously, as we, we know just from you know, consuming use, can be hard to find and can be a lot more expensive. Mm. Have we found that that's that hard, harder to find some of the things that we wanted to use? Yeah, I think from from Nourish's perspective, um, we've definitely found that some of the ingredients are double in the price. So, you know, for example, if we're looking at almonds, it's probably a big one for us because we use ground almonds in some of our coconut bites and macaroons. And we also use um, roasted almonds in some of our bars. You know, you double the price as soon as you go organic. And that's a real hit that you take as a company. Um, yeah. because there is no sort of half doing organic when you certify you have to meet a certain percentage criteria and if you're even within that non-certified percentage you then have to have applied to something called DEFRA to, to get an exclusion so there's no sort of half-hearted effort you have, you have to make the effort and yes it is more expensive um, but I think it's worth it because you're not just investing um, in not having all of the pesticides and sprays on your products, but you're also investing in the people that grow um, organic ingredients. And that's really important because so many ingredients can come from farms and from places where the farmers are not looked after, where the people that you know run sort of the nut orchards and things, they're not looked after either. 
Um, so we know that we're investing in more than just not having um, a pesticide on one of our ingredients. Yeah, and I guess that's that's a really big point to mention, isn't it? That, you know, it's that sort of traceability of ingredients Absolutely. that feels really important for us as well as a brand. Um, so obviously things like, we, we you know, we use uh, fruit powders and fruit mm-hmm. a lot, and obviously those are part of the Dirty Dozen. So I guess that's yeah. one of the, the things that we need to probably talk about because maybe people aren't so aware of that of the very the very issues yeah i mean i think if you're looking at the key ingredients that we use and in, in why organic for nourish the fruit powders um the beetroot powder that we used in the red velvet um the coconut having those sulfites added they were some of the key ingredients really that um are heavily sprayed or that have additives added to them and Berries are definitely on the dirty dozen list. They repeatedly every year get put on, and and because they've got a good water content, they've got a very thin skin on the outside. They just absorb anything that gets sprayed on them. Um, so by going organic with our berry powders, um, that was super super important. It's important for us even as a family at home, to be honest. Um, but even more so on a product that then sits inside a a pouch or in a packet in a fridge you know you you want to make sure that it's got the best ingredients possible we've talked about sulfites before and coconut as well and i'm not sure that everybody would totally understand why they wouldn't really want that in them can you tell us a bit more about that yeah i mean there's lots still that i i'm still learning um but with sulfites um you know there are people that react to sulfites it it puts extra pressure on the liver um, because it's not something that's natural when it's added into ingredient you can you know people will say there's different forms of sulfites and sulfates and things but essentially it's used as a preservative in the food industry to try and maintain freshness um, it's not a normal part of the ingredient and so the way that the ingredients absorbed in your body is going to be different um, you're introducing something that your body then wants to get rid of because it's a toxin um, so you're just putting a whole lot of extra work into your body, actually getting the goodness out of the food that you're eating. So for us, it was definitely not an option. And on top of that, I think most people would agree if they've had a bad experience with coconut, it's usually out of a packet with sulfites in a supermarket that's been sat there for a long time and it feels, yeah. it tastes just awful. The, the yeah, mouth I think is a lot of people's experience of coconuts is going to be kind of thinking about that very traditional desiccated coconut. Yeah. You know, you kind of, you have when you're a child in something terribly sweet and you know it's just not it's not the same at all we've said before that actually just eating a little bit of our own coconut but it's sweet before you even add anything because it's absolutely and crunchy too you know it's not the soft stuff that's set around with no oils and it's gone rancid on the shelf no yeah obviously we've talked about sort of choosing for your family as well so why choose organic home as well yeah i mean it's a good question and it's quite topical for now when the cost of living is so high i would say organics become actually more readily available particularly if you support organic boxes so things like abel and cole and riverford um i i think organic for me i look at the way that we spend our money is we're investing in our health now for us and for our kids and so by putting as least amount of toxins into their bodies and into our bodies, we're investing in our health for, for, for the future. Um, yeah. Not only that, we're obviously supporting those growers that grow this produce. You know, they're not, um, they they spend hours, you know, sometimes picking slugs out of the, the paddocks rather than just, you know, yeah. spraying them. Um, so 
there's this sort of a mixture of things. I would say for us, particularly with Pinch, you know, with the, the cost of living, the dirty dozen is really, really um, important if if you're finding it hard to manage organic um, on a budget. Um, but I really do think it's sort of quality over quantity. Um, and in terms yeah. of where you can find that dirty dozen, if you search it often, it'll come up with the US um, version, but um, Pan UK does have the ones uh, for the UK in particular. Um, but whatever country you're in, they will have a board or they have a group, a working group, that will list the 12 top um, foods that are the most heaviest sprayed. And those ones are the ones that I always say, if you can get them organic, get them organic. It's better to get them organic than to eat loads of them non-organic. Um, we talked about this the other day, but also um, washing your fruit and veg yeah. as well. You've not managed to necessarily buy organic you know, the importance of washing. And somebody had told me about washing of apple cider vinegar, which when I asked you, I then found out I, I could do, but I had no idea. what. So what is, what's that all about? Do you wash if you can't buy organic? Is it important to wash? I do. Um, I would say I have to be more vigilant, but I, I tend to, um, if I'm going to, it would be with um, yeah, apple cider vinegar and warm water, and that just helps get rid of those residues on the outside of your um, produce. Um, I would do it probably before you're going to cook it rather than doing it because you risk, you know, some of your veggies sort of going a bit limp afterwards if you're going to put them in the yeah. fridge and not eat them straight away. Um, but definitely apple cider vinegar with water is a great way of um, cleaning your veggies. Um, you know, there's some things you can't do that with, like like the berries, because you'll end up with just mush. So here yeah, I, can, I did organic. have this experience the other day of a small child washing raspberries with warm water. Um, and yes. then uh, yeah. doesn't work so well. the inevitable smoothie <laughs> actually on the berries one way I've found that you can sometimes buy it a bit cheaper for the organic is buying them frozen and often they're yeah. really lovely and fresh you can actually buy wild blueberries and things um, online frozen and, and that's a great way to still get organic berries into your diet without having to pay sort of especially out of season exorbitant costs yeah no I mean we, we love the ones from Pat and I think there's the other the other German brand, Bio, something that we've seen at So yeah, Arrow as well. Picard yeah. also, yeah. yeah. We'll pop some links on the bottom of the, of the show notes for this as well, if you're interested in finding those. Um, so if we're compromising at home with organic, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, there are obviously those things on the, on the dirty dozen that we're trying to keep away from, but from a sort of store cupboard's perspective, what else could we efficiently compromise on so things like thinking flour thinking yeah the sort of things that maybe other yeah that's also that's a great question because i think often the dirty dozen tends to focus on your fresh fruit and veg there isn't as such a list that will say um your your sort of more store cupboard um ingredients but I think if you look back at what your store cupboard ingredients have got in them, look at the ingredients, and you know if you've got something that's got wheat in it, that's such a heavily sprayed crop. Um, yeah. That's one I'd only ever buy organic um, as a result of that, um, because that doesn't even feature on the dirty dozen because we don't eat, we tend not to eat wheat raw. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the things that we wouldn't if I go for what we wouldn't compromise, it would be things like dairy. Um, yeah. Meat you can compromise; it doesn't have to be organic. But then look for your um, your free range, well, more than free range actually, your pasture fed, because free range doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually ranging freely every day. Um, yeah. So 
you can move from organic into pasture fed and that's just as good um if not sometimes better because for example you've got salmon and if you buy an organic salmon that just means they've fed it organic pellet food doesn't mean that it's wild really yeah you see this is the sort of thing that you know <laughs> i wonder about as i'm wandering the aisles of the supermarket yeah. I think organic, you you still need to know. I think it's it's knowing the story. It's knowing yeah. the story of where it's come from. Um, so organic, I would always choose organic chicken, for example, that's free range or pasture fed. Um, and same with any other sort of meat they're buying. I think in terms of store, store cupboard, flowers are really important. You know, you want to buy organic. Like if you're doing gluten-free, they often will include maize or um, some of those other grains in there. So you want to make sure that they're organic. Um, a compromise would be I wouldn't have to have an organic, say, pea pasta if I was using sort of a pea protein pasta. I wouldn't, it doesn't have to be organic. Um, yeah. I Even if I'm buying crucifix vegetables, yeah, I think the organic version tastes better. But if I do a thorough wash of it, it doesn't have to be organic. Okay. Um, bananas, another one avocados. Yes. Well, we've also got that kind of seasonal stuff that comes in. Absolutely. I was listening to an interview with um, Guy from Riverford Organics the other day, and he was saying, you know, you don't eat your seasonal food, you'll lose it because farmers yep. will stop producing it in this country. And, you know, obviously, in spite of the fact that he's promoting organic, he also said, you know, if you are taking care of your ingredients and buying it from somewhere that you feel comfortable with, then at the very least be buying, you know, a seasonal product, even if you're not buying organic. Yeah. Because they're not spraying it as heavily. And you're getting the nutrients. I mean, your body your body survives on uh, nutrients, so your vitamins, your minerals, and your protein. You know, so if you're getting that from a, a, something that's been grown on a glasshouse on the other side of the world, out out of season, you know, the the nutrient value of that is next to nothing. So you know, I think seasonal is best. So having gone from that, you were interviewed recently by Natural Products magazine um, about the snack market and how it's been changing. Um, do you think that food trends are leading us towards a more natural way of eating? So I think in summary, yes, it is. I think there is a lot of confusing information out there about what food trend is actually helpful. Um, and there's lots of misinformation. You know, you just need to search keto and everyone should be making fat bombs and having keto coffee. Um and not eating any green vegetables. So you get a, a mixture. So I think, yeah. yes, it is It is leading us towards a more natural way of eating. I think we are going back to basics and for people to know what's in their food. There definitely is a move towards that. And I think we're going to see more and more of that as because people are becoming more and more sick. You know, the, the food industry has a lot to answer for with the amount of extra ingredients, preservatives, additives that they put in um, that... The, the body can't process um yeah and we make foods so that people buy more so that they eat more calories than they should so that you know they want to eat more again it's just it's such a vicious cycle and so um i think they are leading us to a more natural way of eating but i still feel like we're bucking the the general trend of what the current food manufacturers are doing it's um, really tricky isn't it because obviously yeah. we you know, we go and look at what everybody else is doing quite regularly. And, you know, there are times when I stand in front of those shelves of other snack products and I'm astounded 
at the claims of natural on the front. And then once you actually look at the back, the number of ingredients that I just don't recognize and wouldn't yeah. have a clue what they were or, or indeed why they're, why they're even in there. Um, you know, so I think it is, it, it's quite tricky to understand yeah. why some of those things are used. So just as an example, what sort of things should people look out for on those, on those labels? Yeah, I mean, I, I know that's someone backing against a lot of the snack companies out there, but, um, you know, seed oils, seed oils for me are a big thing. You know, they're yeah. used because they're, they're cheap, but they are so refined um, in the process of how they're made. It's, and it's so toxic for the body to process. So that's one that I would be checking. And when I say seed oils, I mean things like cottonseed oil, sunflower seed oil, rapeseed oil, you know, the general bog standard that is used in a packaged product is not your unrefined, cold-pressed, beautifully made from down the road that still has a lovely colour. It has gone through so many changes to get it to a point where it's a processing agent in food manufacturing. Um, so yeah. that's one thing I would always look out for. And then it's the sort of the gums and the binders, you know, and the, the words that they use to hide things like sugar. So they will use things like dextrose, maltodextrin you know and people think well that's fine but they don't realize actually it's just another word for a preservative for a sugar um that's used as that's the thing, isn't it? often those words are, are hiding something you know yeah, it can absolutely. sound terribly technical but actually it might break down to the fact it's just sugar yes yeah um, and then that doesn't even account for i was talking to a food manufacturer the other day and in the processing and the big processing plants they are allowed, without claiming, to add up to 3% of an ingredient into the product with no claims made. With no disclaimer. Yeah, wow. so if you've already got a product that lists a whole lot of things that you don't recognise, you know, there is a high probability that they've added other things in there as a binder or to make it go through the machinery better that is not even listed on your ingredients. Gosh, I mean, that's something I just, yeah, that slightly blows my mind that people can kind of hide, effectively yeah. hide it from you too. And so if we were, you know, if you were thinking about just snacking generally, obviously, you know, we, we're firm believers in a, in a snack at the right time in the right place, but what's your general feeling on snacking and how do you snack yourselves at home? Yeah, I mean, great question, considering we own a snack company. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, especially the way that we started Nourish, um, for me, snack is more like if, I'm ha- if I've had a meal, like if I've had lunch, for instance, or I've had dinner and I want something afterwards, <laughs> that's not going to be a sweet, full of sugar cookie or something like that. That's that's when I love the idea of adding in a snack or something slightly sweet that's still nourishing, still good for you. So yeah. for me, that's certainly how I personally like to snack. I would say for the, um, the children and me occasionally, um, it definitely is something they want mid-morning. They have a very early breakfast and before it's lunchtime, they want something, but usually they're craving something that's high in sugar or, you know, is, is full of stuff. And, and once you start that roller coaster, then they won't even get proper nutrients in at lunch. So having something that will tide them over, that's got good ingredients in it, good nutrients in it. And that's that's where I like to use um, the nourish snacks. So things like the bites or a macaroon with, if it's an adult with a cup of tea um, or our cookies, um, actually, our oat cookies are particularly particularly good. Um, uh, I need, yeah, you know, I love those. I mean, you know, 
yeah. most afternoons I have that massive slump at about sort of four o'clock just as I'm getting ready to start school runs and pickups and all of that good stuff and that they do regularly see me through till supper time those ones. yeah yes um, I think that's where I see the snacks fitting and certainly for narrative C is that as you know particularly for people who may not who may have good good amounts of protein in their meals and so may not feel the need for a snack but want something extra after they've had lunch or dinner um they fit in really really well there especially the bars um you know feeling like you've had a pudding or you know a piece of chocolate after lunch but you don't get that big sugar rush um yeah so one of the things that we have talked about is the the other thing as we talked about in sort of blogs and journals is what some of those ingredients are great for from a functional health perspective as well so from the perspective of what's good in nourish products um we have written a lot over in over the years in the journals and things about what other things are actually good from a functional perspective in there so really just to let people know there is some of that information online but also um we'll be covering that a lot over the next few months together as well mm. won't we? so yeah. you know there's, there's lots of things that the ingredients are capable of helping you with and, and working with as well yeah, um, but I mean, what would be your your top thing? I uh, just going to say that. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, there's a couple of products actually that I think are top in terms of their functional functionality. But um, you know, we use coconut in a lot of the products, and that is because it has such a good satiety. So you feel full, you get good healthy fats, you get good sources of fiber. Um, so that's one ingredient I say is is key in what we use. But in terms yeah. of products and how many sort of functional foods and, and how that, when I say functional food, I mean how beneficial that is to your body and the way that processes it and uses it as nutrients. Um, for me, the turmeric bites are amazing. Now, I know that they sort of divide people because they're savoury, but you're getting turmeric, you're getting black pepper, you're getting such a burst of spice mix um, along with, you know, your, your creamed coconut, a few cashew nuts. Um, so you're getting so much that people put into a tablet these days to say, here, have your turmeric. You're getting that inside a delicious snack that you can add to your salad. So for me, that's one product that I feel is really functional, really beneficial. Um, I'd say the other one for me, but maybe it's because it's just my favorite to eat, is probably the coconutty bar. Yeah. Because you're getting cacao in there, which is a great source of magnesium. You're getting vitamin E from your almonds. And it tastes really good. It doesn't taste like you're having... Well, it almost tastes naughty, but it doesn't have that sickly sweet taste. And you feel yeah, full afterwards. Yeah, you feel really full. But I think also, you know, well, that's that kind of serotonin boost, isn't it? Yeah. That great quality of cacao can give you. Absolutely. Um, yep. And going back to turmeric bites, you know, when we looked at it for our super swaps recently, we realised that a bag of crisps had 52 grams of carbohydrate in, yeah. um, you know, which if you're just snacking on them, you're not using or you're likely not to be using. And then turmeric bites are, what, 1.9 grams of carbs? Yeah. So a brilliant alternative so that you're not just sugar, sugared up and, uh, and ready to go. Yeah. Um, so as farming changes, and obviously, you know, farming is changing. There's no getting away from that. You know, we are going through a period of time when some things will change and become more industrial. What are the main drivers for continuing to support and champion 
organic farmers? Do we think what's the message for 2023? I mean, I I think that the more people that support organic farming, or um, I would go a step further and say regenerative farming, more people that support that, um, the the more accessible it will become, and actually the cheaper it will become over time because there'll be more demand. There'll be more, you know, um, areas of land that will be. Um, made to be organic so that you know they'll follow um, a set of standards I think that yeah the more people that say that or, or follow what they say I think the better um, yeah and yeah, it, yeah there's 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 a whole another conversation but essentially I I do think if, if people are really concerned about the environment there's a lot of talk about climate change a lot of talk about the cost of living um, but organic food we've seen over the years regenerative farming looks after the ground, it's sustainable. We don't have food shortages because we're looking after what we've got. Yeah. The more people that back that and get behind that, the more sustainable, the more accessible food will be. Um, and there won't be the issues that we are seeing cropping up in supermarkets and you know in, in various countries over the world. Brilliant. Well thank you so much. Um it's been really informative today and we'll pop all of this in the show notes. There's a transcription available if you signed up for um, our private Facebook group um, and do join that because Inika is often on there and we put uh, we put other information on there that's to do with functional nutrition and you know wellness and health and well-being but we'd really really like to say thank you to all of our past guests from season one um, this is our very last episode of season one we move into season two shortly um, so thanks so much to all of those guests that we've had in the past. If you want to find any of those, you can find them on Apple or Spotify. Um, and for anyone that's listening that would love to try some of our super snacks, um, if you use the code 20NOURISH23, you can grab a 20% off your very first order. Um, thank you so much, Inika. And uh, looking forward to the rest of the year. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Thank you.